Welcome to Starlight, a space-themed D&D opera. My name is Sam Williams, and I'm the voice behind Clive Jensen, your favorite cybernetic cowboy. I just want to take a moment to thank everyone for tuning in. This show is a passion project for all of us, and without you, it wouldn't be possible. After the show, if you could drop us a review on iTunes, this will help us further our goal of reaching the furthest corners of the galaxy and allow us to provide the best adventure for every spacer. Thank you, everyone. And with that, let us continue into Starlight. Here we go. Roll for initiative. Hey guys, welcome to Starlight. We are glad to have you back and here for further misadventures of Clive and Horace upon the Red Wanda. And as usual, this episode is brought to you by the Heroes Journal. You probably have heard from some of the other episodes that they are in the phase where you can pre-order their newest adventure, which actually takes place in space. So if you're a fan of the show, which I assume you are for being here, if you're a fan of Star Wars or, hey, Wizards of the Coast is coming out with a new space setting, the Spelljammer setting, and bringing that back. If you're a fan of all of those things, this journal is going to have little elements of all of those things that kind of have that nostalgic feel, all while helping you in your daily life. Go check them out. They'll be in the links below. As usual, I am Isaac Yorks, your GM and also your host. And with me, we have Sam Williams and I play Clive Jensen. And Sam, for anyone who's just decided to randomly start here or that needs a bit of a reminder, can you brush us up on your character's class level and current HP? Uh... I'm playing Clive Jensen. I'm a level six ranger with 42 HP. Nice. Okay. What? I'm I'm not I'm not comparing here. I'm not trying to be mean, but I Atlas's HP is like 59. Ray's is 55. How did you end up with 42? Um, I have really bad rolls sometimes. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> That's okay. And you make it up Atlas, in terms of damage Atlas per second. Atlas is a big, beefy dude. And besides, I usually like to play with the strategy. As long as I don't get hit, I don't really need HP. Right. Who's, it's the resource you don't need until you need really it. Who's really the loser here? <laughs> I don't know. To be determined. But uh, with that, why don't we go ahead and jump into this episode? Hey, Neuralink. Access memories. Accessing. Turning back to Clive Jensen and Horace Mickleby, the two have set out for XR3 and what they believe to be the origins of Clive's story. But along the way, they are beset by a space monstrosity called a Yoko, which pierces the whole of Wanda and waylays them in the cold depths of XR2 space. Still, all is not without hope as someone notices their distress beacon. That someone, however, being the dread Captain Timble of the pirate ship, the Animal. What comes next is anyone's guess. Memories retrieved. I think that it would be kind of fun to do something different, raise the stakes a little bit. It's just you and I. Mm-hmm. So what do you say to a D20 roll-off? Highest roll gets inspiration. I mean, if, if you really want to lose that bad. <laughs> All right. Three, two, one. Ooh. That, that's a th- What'd you get? I got a 13. I rolled a one. 
That should be minus let's two inspiration go. to you. Let's get that roll out of the way. I'm ready to go for a for a good game here, apparently. No, you got it out of the way. It's fine. Uh, it's good. So thank you for the see, inspiration. You remember, you Thanks for you, playing you my game. You asked me what happened to my HP. That's yeah. kind of what happened to my HP. <laughs> Where we pick up then is in the emergency lit cockpit of Wanda. Horace lies to the side, completely out of it. He's barely making you out, but even when he does, his words slur. There's a little bit of like froth on the edge of his mouth, and then his head falls back, and he continues mumbling, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And then that's when Dread Captain Timbal's voice cuts off, the hologram going away, just as they announced the pirate ship, the animal, will be boarding soon. You run a couple numbers in the system. You have probably about seven minutes before they'll arrive. What do you do? Okay, so first I'm going to go see if Horace has anything in the ship real quick that could help snap him out of his out of his drug haze, get him some water, and kind of try to slap him around a little, a little bit to try to wake him up. Go ahead and roll a... Uh, an investigation role as you're looking for things to, that could help bring him out. Eight plus zero. The ship is still a mess from the yokel. Anything and everything that you thought might be in its place has either been covered in webbing, has been just thrown asunder. You, It's a mess. You're not able to find something. You are able to go get water and slap him around a bit, but it seems to have little to no effect. <sighs> well... I'm going to then take this time to hide my weapons and such, and hide horses' weapons and such. Hopefully they don't get them confiscated. I want you to go ahead, as you know the ship decently well, uh, more so than the pirates, you can go ahead and roll a stealth roll for that with advantage. Eight and 13 plus 6 is 19. You find a spot, you hide it. And I'm gonna take one last dish effort to try to wake Horace up. I'm gonna grab him by the by the collar and just shake him. Horace, come on, snap out of it. Doesn't matter now. We just gotta we gotta look forward. We gotta get out of this. Come on. Go ahead and make any skill roll that you want for that one that you think is applicable. Yeah, I'll go survival. Okay. Uh, 15 plus five for 20. Uh, uh, hey man, uh, knock it off. Horace, you need to snap snap out of it. Our ship's getting boarded. The ship's getting boarded? Ah. Hey, just make sure that they don't get into my supplies, okay? And he, But he does manage to stand kind of drunkenly, and at least he's moving at this point. At that point, you feel the ship shudder, just a coom. And the sound of a connecting, like, line starts to go And then there's the inevitable sound of circuitry, firing and as they start kind of sawing their way through the top port entry just gonna wait make sure that Horace is able to keep himself together then eventually you hear this like sudden explosion there's a bright light that comes from down the hallway the big piece of metal that was once the port of entry just falls to the ground with it then comes down one body two body three body four body as just these group of pirates of all various shapes and sizes make their way in and they start yelling weapons on the ground weapons on the ground and they start coming through you see that they have weapons of their own some long range some made like shock batons made for close combat they pinpoint you guys relatively quickly and one that happens to be speaking for all of them looks to be a taller it almost looks like a half orc but mixed with something else where it has the single singular eye of a cyclops and stands about a foot taller than most half-orcs would. He steps forward and... <laughs> this is your welcoming party from the animal. Gentlemen, if you would be so kind as to come and take audience with our dread Captain Timble while we ransack what you have. 
Yeah, yeah, we'll come with you. Yeah, it's gonna feel pretty good. Boarding an already crippled ship. He gives you just like a like a, a hard push on the back, just poof, for that comment, and he just yells, See what you can find! You know that they're hiding something! And then someone cries out from like a distant part of the ship in the galley, and they go, They have cocoa powder! <laughs> Hot chocolate tonight, boys! And you guys are pushed up this like ladder that leads into the so-called pirate ship, the animal. It appears as you start climbing up, being escorted by at least two pirates, they are being rather brusque and not very nice with Horace, but then again, he's kind of staggering around and half the time making a mess of himself, spitting up on himself, and he still is not quite with it, but he has enough of the wherewithal to follow after you and keep his eyes locked on you. You travel through this large starship. This thing is not the size of a compact fighter. It's not the size of a freighter, but it is somewhere closer to that of a... Uh, more like an, an armada ship of its own of its own right. It's quite large. You pass all sorts of people. Some of them leer at you. Some of them look at you with sadness. But eventually you are brought before this great metallic door. It opens up with a hiss. And you find yourself in a central chamber. And from this chamber you can see that there are about five or six people who are piloting the ship. There is a great red chair with a high backing and whoever's sitting in it is facing away and quite to dramatic fashion the chair turns with a and what you see surprises you feet not even touching the ground ankles just barely coming off the edge you see a small green goblin dressed in a uh, white skin suit a little blaster attached to the side, red beady eyes, and a jagged smile. And he goes, Well done, gloves. Tell me, are you going to be good food friend or bad food friend? Um, good food friend? <laughs> good food friend, yes, good food friend. And tell me, good food friend... There doesn't happen to be any secrets hiding on the Red Rocket, does there? Uh, not to my knowledge, no. It's not even my ship, it's my buddies here. Huh? Oh, it's the Wanda, man. And he... Is that what I suspect to be dagger on his breath? Oh. And one who has dagger always has a supply. And he calls out to the, like, half-cyclops, half-orc gloves. They seem to be carrying a supply of illicit drugs. I want you to go and make sure that you find them. Some of our men might enjoy some of it, and perhaps I wouldn't mind some of my own stash. <laughs> By all means, take it all. I don't want it anyway. Well, then we will. Although I do think that the withdrawals will be tough on your friend, but you're a good food friend, so you'll be able to figure it out. Well, now needs a kick in the ass anyway. Tell me, are you thirsty good food friend can i offer you a drink food perhaps uh no i'm okay but if you got some some water for my friend friend my friend here probably do do him some good of course and he like presses a button a little thing comes up that he speaks into a little microphone and you can hear his voice echoing across the ship as he calls for bring, bring them, them some, some water, water and, and perhaps, perhaps some hot chocolate, chocolate. And he then looks at you guys again and says, I've learned many things as Dread Captain. One of them is, is you can steal from a man and you can leave him shamed, but that will radicalize him. That will make him more likely to fight back. Or you can treat a man fairly. You can give them water, you can give them food, and yes, I'm still stealing from you, but I do have a little 
dinghy that I can cast you back to whatever planet in this solar system you would like. And that is something that I can do as soon as we're sure that every inch of your ship no longer holds secrets. So, in the meantime, perhaps a hollow vid, and you will understand that we will need to restrain you during this time, but it doesn't have to be an unpleasant experience, food friend. Oh, I don't think restraints are necessary. Look at this. We're already beat up, and my friend's not even, he's not even all the way here. Go ahead and make a persuasion roll. 18 plus 0 is 18. Dread Pirate Timble strokes his hairless face. And he has these kind of like long yellow nails. It don't look like they've been clipped, but rather have been chewed off. And he says, that seems fair. Tell me, though. <laughs> don't lie to me. You said you're a good food friend. And I would hate to be mad friend to you. So how did you come to be so beat up? Your ship so ruined. Well, we were on our way from Battlestar over to XR3 when we unfortunately piloted the ship into some sort of space creature, got into a huge altercation with said space creature, ended up escaping, but as we, I mean, as we escaped, you guys just ended up coming onto us. We we're on our way over to XR3 because I picked up a lead that uh, might tell me where my father is. I've been looking for him for quite some time. And my friend here was just uh, helping me out. My name is uh, Glorbon, and his is Peter. <laughs> Can you roll a uh, deception roll for Horus in this moment? The DC is 10. 15. He just nods to what you said. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Dread Captain Timble pauses and um, thinks about what you said. And finally, he jumps off of his seat. He stands at a glorious roughly three feet as he walks up to your shins and starts walking around you. You kind of get the feeling that if you wanted to drop kick him, you could easily. He starts to pull at the tatters of your jacket. He starts looking at the armor that you guys are wearing. Hmm. The only creatures out here that I'm aware of are yokels. Quite nasty little buggers to run into. And you say that you fought one off. Matter of fact, it's amazing that you're not dead. So I can take it from your dress and your story that you are not just any travelers, you're mercenaries, warriors, something of the sort. Yeah, hired mercenaries. We're in between jobs at the moment. You see him send something, like he gets that kind of hazy look as he sends something through his neural link, but you have no idea what or to whom. And after an an awkward silence, you know, that stretches way too long, he returns back to the moment and he goes, there's been a change of plans, food friend. How would you like the opportunity to have your ship not ransacked? And matter of fact, return to as good an order as my mechanics can make it. Would you like that? What's your play here? A favor. A favor from one who happens to be skilled of the fighting arts. He goes, I have a a patient on this ship of mine. A, uh, a bookkeeper that belongs to one of our other arms of our pirate conclave and I could use some help it's simple really food friend it's simple I just need you to get him to tell me the information that I'm seeking namely where can the dread captain Falmer be found who's dread captain Falmer ah he's just one of the three dread captains that belong to our conclave He's a piece of shit, really. Bad food, friend. Makes me mad just thinking about it. I could gnash out his intestines and stretch them across this universe from star to star, but I have to have a hold of him first to do that. No. When our ships came together and we built this fleet, it came as a promise. 
that promise would be that we would protect each other, have one another's back, that we would share the loot that we gather, and that we would basically build a community, a haven for pirates. Well, not so long ago, my once food friend, Captain Falmer, and his group of treacherous leeches attacked both me and the other dread captain. May he rest in peace. He wanted to take all the riches for himself. At least that's what I assume. Either way, my story's simple. I want revenge. He killed a lot of good men on that other ship. He killed my good friend. And now it's just me and my men. And we wish to find him and finish this. It's a family matter, if you understand, food friend. And the only person who has the information happens to be this bookkeeper. So I hope you get this information, you fix up my ship, and then that's it. We just get to leave scot-free. He raises a hand up. There's some skin peeling off the palm, and he goes, Scot-free? We shake on it. I'll even send you back with food. All right. All right. You have yourself a deal on one more condition. Go ahead and take all the illegal drugs off this ship. I don't need them. We don't need them. You guys can take them and sell them to whoever, do them, or whatever it is that you want to do with them. You see a wicked, a wicked smile, like, goes from ear to ear with the pleasure. Oh, and then if you could also help my friend out here deal with whatever this sickness is he's dealing with, I'll go talk to your prisoner. It's going to take some time, but I can shoot him up with some adrenaline for sure. And then that's when the door opens up and you see Gloves returning. Gloves walks up and he goes, Boss, you called. Yes, Gloves. I have another task for you. Please take our esteemed guest here to the lounge. Shoot him up with adrenaline. Make sure that he has enough food to satisfy, satisfy his cravings. And also, as any person would know coming off of Dagger, make sure that you have someone there to record what he has to say. You never know when it's prophetic. And he smiles and again at you, Clive. And uh, you two. Two people from the side come up to him and he goes, come with me. We are going to show good food, Florabon, here to our bookkeeper. The two guards who are going with him look at each other and then they file in around you. Dread Captain Timble leading merrily through the ship. And along the way, as you're walking, you, you walk through a few common spaces, and you, you start to notice that this ship is ornamented with various musical instruments and Captain Timble tells you that he's a fan of music, that he's made music since he was just a wee little goblin boy, and that's what made him different. But he tells you that there's nothing better that he likes than the harmonization of voices. And at that point, you guys are going down a lift, and as the lift opens up into what appears to be a prison holding cell, you see that there are four other what appear to be captives hung on the walls by these like electric chains and like to the point where their feet aren't touching the ground they're just hung on these durastil walls the ground is beveled with like a grating to allow blood to just seep into it these figures look haggard their shoulders look dislocated they look and the next thing that gets you is the smell it smells like it smells like feces and piss and literal fear. You can see welts on their stomachs. And at the center of the room, there is a single bed. But this bed is just literally just a, a, a metal table with cuffs on either side stretched out. And the center of it is what appears to be a scimitar. And it's a scimitar probably in more of his elderly years. The back hind legs of the scimitar have been cut off. The front legs are left. 
they are straddled by and held in place by the by the cuffs and the arms are held by the cuffs up high you can see where there have been various cuts and wounds but right now there seems to be some like medical equipment that seems that from your guess is pumping life into this cenotaur and then you start to realize that you've never seen anything quite like this medical equipment and in fact coming off of this central box that attaches probably where like an oxygen canister normally would be there is a set of like thin goggles similar to what you would use in a dragon to be able to see through the dragon's sensories output and it just kind of like lays off the box and there's another line of that box that attaches to the frontal lobe of the scimitar one of the people who's hanging on the wall wretches in fear the rest seem to be asleep Timble smiles and he goes human voices I'm a bard by trade my friend and I really don't like traitors they are bad food friends so he walks over to the east side of the wall where you see a rack of tools used to for torture but you also see what appears to be a giant mallet like a drum mallet to your horror, as he picks it up, you realize it is actually the leg of the scimitar that's been shaven down, has been taxidermied, and has been formed into with the hoof, the sharpened end of the hoof, into a mallet. He motions to one of the guards and he says, Yuval, why don't you go hit the higher pitch? Yuval goes and grabs the other leg and together they start wailing on the prisoners on the wall as Timbal starts to laugh the prisoners start to scream and it is a horrifying cacophony of noise and somehow with the way that Timbal is hitting it while it is terrifying the voices do resonate and it is only after he's worked up a sweat and that the prisoners are fully like bleeding and gasping and begging for no more that there's shit running down their legs. Timble throws the, the leg drumstick to the side with a Ugh, you excuse me. I just get worked up so much into a rage sometimes. <laughs> this is Bookkeeper Thama. And he points to the scimitar on the center of the table. Bookkeeper Thama, as you can see, is asleep which is rather unfortunate. He seems to have used some form of a new tech created by Asmodeus Corp to put himself into what my medical staff tell me to be a induced coma. Fortunately, he has a Neuralink. And that's when he points to the contraption and you realize the contraption is helping to keep Bookkeeper Thama alive, but that it also feeds into the Neuralink food friend. You have a sharp mind as a fighter, killing a yokel. My task for you, if you wish to have your ship cleaned free of its drugs, fixed up, and sent away with supplies with you and your colleague in it, is to tap into his Neuralink, go into his dreams, and wring the answer out of him. Find out where Dread Captain Falmer is. And if you want to do damage to his mind while you're in there, fine by me. But come out with the answer, and we will be the best of food friends. Timble looks at you as a, as a chair is pulled up next to the other side of the tube that has no attachment to anyone. And he kind of flourishes a bow and puts his hands out towards the chair, and he says, After you, food friend. Guess we have a deal. Let's see what I can do about finding out information on this Dread Captain guy. A few things to know. Your neural link will be attaching to his, and everything that you feel in there will have an effect on you in your mind. If you are to die, your brain will take that as death. Wait, 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 wait. Die? What? 
Are you saying I could die in there? Oh, 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 yes. We've lost about uh, twelve others. What? To what? Hold on. You never, you never said anything. I don't about know. Dying. I haven't been in his mind. Okay. I only look for the most capable food fighters to take care of this problem. Look at me. I'm just a bard. And a captain. A captain can't risk himself. I mean, I, I guess. All right, well, what else do I need to know? He basically tells you that they captured, in the ensuing firefight between the, the two dread captains, Falmer and Timble, they were able to capture bookkeeper Thama. And bookkeeper Thama is Captain Falmer's childhood friend growing up. The two are very close and has run many of the numbers and been privy to a lot of Captain Falmer's thoughts, as well as even being integral in helping to plan them. And they captured him, and when they captured him, and after the dread Captain Falmer basically used a source of hyperfuel to just jettison away as the tides were turning on him, they tried to turn their infer- their their attention on the bookkeeper, knowing if the captain was going to share anything with anyone, Falmer would do this with Thama. But the moment that they tried, Thama did something. His eyes went white, and they became sunken, which is the telltale sign of this new, almost like a new form of poisoning created by the Asmodeus Corporation. But this was deliberately turned on himself to avoid turning his friend in. Alright, well... Uh, guess... Yes, here we go. Uh, before, I, before, I, before I jump in, though, how's... How's, uh, how's Peter's doing? <clears throat> Gloves! How is... Esteemed comrade, food friend Peter's doing. There's a moment later as his comlink then magnified so that you can hear the voice. It's good, Captain. It's coming around. Mostly saying nonsense. Still apologizing for what I don't know. Uh, it comes to just let him let him know what's going on. Of course. You are being very brave, food friend. The least we could do is let your friend know that you may parent. <laughs> yeah. Exciting. All right, well, I guess, uh, here. Send me in. With that, one of the guards says, this might hurt, but before you can even do anything, they grab the tubes and they stab it into the back of your neck where your neural link would be. There is like a a needle that pierces with a... And then suddenly, everything begins to swirl. Everything goes dark. You fall with a coop on the ground, and that's the last sensation you have before that darkness begins to twirl into a cacophony of these lights, almost kaleidoscope in nature. And then they start to form into something as your vision returns. As your vision starts to come clearer and clearer, you see a mountain forming, a singular mountain on the horizon. And then you realize you are flying through the air at breakneck speed. You're being pulled closer and closer to this mountain. And this mountain rises, if you had to guess, it's well above anything you've seen. Could it be 10, 15, 20,000 feet tall? Who knows? This mountain, its name suddenly sticks in your mind as you begin to share some consciousness with bookkeeper Thuma, and the words Mount Celestia comes to mind. You see that it rises above a silver sea that wraps completely around it. You start to rise and fly higher and higher so that you are now looking downward on this landscape. The mountain at its top is snow-capped, 
purple and blue stone, and at its base, a verdant forest like those found in the northwest climb up part of it before moving into higher alpine forest and then into rock, wind, and snow. As you look further out, you see that Bookkeeper Thuma's consciousness takes place on a singular area, a disc-shaped piece of land. That silver sea runs off of it like waterfalls falling off of the edges of this disc. Nothing else exists except for this mountain and this sea. At the top of the mountain, you do happen to see cut out of on top, and there seems to be a singular person, a scimitar. You can't quite make it out, but you just know the scimitar is resting at the top of the mountain. And as you start to will yourself to fly towards it, it is as if you suddenly hit a wall, and then like an invisible hand seems to just smack you to the ground with a poof. You go soaring down, soaring down, soaring down, and just before you're about to slam into the foot of the the foothills of this mountain, you're suddenly caught, and your feet touch softly, and now you feel the warmth of the sun upon you. The wind rustles, and you can actually see the wind. It is pink threads of light that go by and tossle your hair, and on the edges of the wind, it says... You will not succeed. Fall where others have fallen before you. And then all falls quiet. Not a single animal sound. Not a sound of the waters of the sea. It's just you standing right at the foothills of this mountain. A mountain that you need to climb. You try to fly. You can't make yourself fly again. You look ahead, there's a singular path. Although you could traverse this way, this place in many ways, this path goes into the forest and you can see the start of a steep set of stairs. What do you want to do? Take one more look around, gather my surroundings. So all I see is the mountain stairs and start making my way towards the, the stairs. You start working your way up these stairs and slowly you start to see that it is as if someone has taken the time to pot various flowers of all kinds. The flowers move of their own accord. The scent is delightful. Fruit starts to bear around you, hanging from the trees, and you are overwhelmed by a sense of happiness. I need you to go ahead and make a wisdom saving throw for me 5 plus 4 for 9 there's a small part of you that just says I could stay stay here here forever forever. but just a small part and thus you continue pushing yourself onward can I roll a perception as I keep walking up to see if I notice any changes in the environment yes 14 plus 5 for 19. It almost seems to get more bountiful and beautiful. You've never seen anything like this before. But there is something you do notice. The sound of, like, giant steps just... You stop, and you kind of, like, make your way with that perception roll up into a tree to look out. And you see, walking up from the sea, a giant beast. It doesn't seem like it sighted you or anything, but you almost get the sense that this is the guardian of this area. A guardian created by the mind of the bookkeeper. You see a creature that is bipedal in nature, that stands well over 40 feet tall, It has clawed hands with six fingers, wicked talons that run off of it. It has the face of a pig with a snout of a pig, but it has six horns that run from the cheekbone, from the chin, and then there is almost a double-like chin that falls underneath it that has two smaller horns. 
wicked elf-like ears come off of the sides of the head. You can see three golden earrings coming off of one ear and a single earring on the other. The top of the head is bulbous with its own little pinprick spikes. There is a almost mohawk tuft of hair, but you realize that hair is actually feathers. You see, as you look upon its hairy body that droops into great folds of fat that then run down to thick haired boar-like legs, that this creature steps onto the sands of the foothills and then unfurling from its back, you see these dark black wings. It shakes them like rain pelting through the sky. This rain suddenly goes all the way across the land, including to where you are. And suddenly you realize without knowing, it must be this connection between you and the bookkeeper again that this water coming off of it is like acid. You see these pelts of rain coming down, each one almost the size of a man. I need you to roll a dexterity saving throw as they start slamming into the plant life around you. Oh dear. Oh oh dear. 14 plus 6 for 20. So just... The creature lets loose a roar that undulates and the wings start to flap as it starts to fly up into the sky. It's going to roll a perception roll versus a stealth roll of yours to see if it notices. Do I have any time to make an action before he... Yes. Uh, So I'm going to cast Pass Without a Trace. A veil of shadows and silence radiates from you, making you and your companions from detection, or masking you and your companions from detection for the duration each creature you choose within 30 feet of you, including you, has a plus 10 bonus to dexterity stealth checks. You can't be tracked except by magical means. What does that look like as that's, as Pass Without a Trace takes place over your body? Kind of take hold of the, the pink wind that I noticed my nanobots kind of grab onto it and sort of start wrapping it around me and changing it into like kind of a reflective almost substance so that way I kind of just blend in into the environment. He, he rolled a six. On a this six one. plus 16. <laughs> so the eyes almost like are x-raying through the foliage looking for this intruder. It doesn't see you and just and starts to fly the other way around the island leaving you alone and if I look directly up are the stairs doing that can I notice if the stairs are encircling the mountain like going upwards in a spiral or if it's like kind of switchbacky yeah you notice that they are starting to go switchbacky so you're staying along the same tracks So as you start climbing up, climbing up, the creature circles back a few times. And on like the third time, when it doesn't see you, it lets loose another roar and just flies back into the sea. And where its body touches, the sea begins to bubble and it just disappears into the depths as a dark shape that then just goes away completely, allowing you to continue to climb completely unopposed. takes you like a good hour before you finally reach what looks to be like some something you come to a flat area and this flat area is dirt path the foliage is bowed back as if almost grown like a bonsai tree away from a singular cave entrance the stairs in there of course you could keep climbing up but there is no other path what do you wish to do into the cave entrance as you make your way into the cave it gives way to a cavern first a a big cavern and there's almost not much to note at all of that one but then 
very quickly it takes you to uh, through this tunnel that then the tunnel splits into two directions one to the right one to the left which way do you wish to go before I do that is there is there like a rock or something or like a loose rock or something around all over okay, I'm gonna take a big loose rock and kind of draw a, a big circle like shaded in circle almost on the wall to kind of mark that I've been in this location just in case some weirdness goes on and then I'm going to guess I'm gonna go left this cavern leads you into a different cavern and you can tell that it's more like a like lava at one point ran through this cavern and it expelled out the top side for there is this light from the sun coming in, lighting up the entire area. You can see jungle growth coming down, vines, and birds are flitting in and out, but they are completely silent. When they open their mouth to sing, they do not sing. You see at the center of this room, there is a crystalline fountain. The fountain itself stands at about 15 feet in height, and is about 20 feet wide. You see around it, there are what looks to be some water runs off of the northerly wall, and it kind of gives it this like glistening small waterfall look. The air is a bit damper despite the hole in the wall, and you can hear the rush of water coming from the fountain. The other thing is, as you take a step forward into the room, you accidentally kick a stone, but it's no stone. You actually see that it appears to be the bone of something once living. So, room with inconspicuous fountain and bones on the floor. I'm going to slowly approach the fountain, kind of walking in a zigzag pattern. You can feel, like, that there is a greater, like, concentration of, like, soot and dirt. The ground is not quite as solid as it was before, but it just feels like, just kind of, like, loose dirt in its own right. You come to the fountain, and in the fountain, you see that it is just completely, like, the the, the structure of the fountain itself is completely translucent. Like, it almost like it's made out of glass or out of ice and it's unfazed by the sun you look down inside and you can see that it's very deep it runs easily 40 feet down and at the bottom you can see a set of some sort of gold implements four of them I'm gonna walk all around the fountain just to make sure that there isn't anything else. Inspecting basically everything. Go ahead and make an investigation roll. Nine plus zero for nine. It's weird, but you don't really see much else. Okay, I'm going to pick up a loose rock or bone or whatever that it may be around and can just toss it into the fountain. With your passive perception, you feel a slight tremor in the ground. Just so. I'm going to back up, back towards the entrance that I came in. Suddenly, the ground starts to fold in on itself. Because you decided to back up, I want you to go ahead and make a dexterity saving throw first before I describe what happens. Oh, that could never be a good thing! Seven plus six for 13. I am going to spend my inspiration I won to make you roll at disadvantage. Okay, well, that was pretty rude. 13, because then I rolled a 12 plus six. So then you watch and you barely are able to move out of the way as the ground starts to shake. And then you watch as these rows of teeth outwardly and inwardly on the outside and the inside of the fountain jut out with a <laughs> You look around, you see that outside of the fountain, about 
a 40-foot radius from the fountain, you watch as these jagged rocks that you originally thought were like small, like staglitites, they start to tremor, and you realize that they are teeth themselves, and the ground starts to snap, almost as if the fountain was like, like the light on an angular fish. You leap out just between the teeth as they start to close. I think that that's where we'll call this game, and we can pick up next time and see what you come up with. Thank you for listening to this episode of Starlight. If you enjoyed this, please like, share, subscribe. For early releases, exclusive RPG content, and other bonus material, check us out on Patreon at patreon.com starlightadventures. And to reach us for questions to be aired, email us at thestarlightadventures at gmail.com. See you next Tuesday, spacers. <laughs>